Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. A blessed Sunday to all of you. I'm glad to be, um, to be here with you once again, preaching God's Word to all of you. Today we are going to finish our journey through the books of First and Second Samuel. And uh, as we have mentioned before, the, book, uh, the focus of these two books is to tell us how the nation of Israel transitioned from being uh, transitioned into monarchy, from being ruled by God through judges to being ruled by God through his chosen king. But aside from telling us about this turning point in Israel's history, actually, first and second Samuel has an agenda. Actually, all the books in the Bible has an agenda. It's not mere history. It wants to teach us something. It wants to be, make us believe in someone. Okay? And uh, in 1 and 2 Samuel, it wants to paint a picture of what an ideal king is for Israel. Ano ba yung ideal king? The ideal king who can rule and lead God's people. Because Israel is very unique. They're not the, any nation. They're the chosen people of God. And therefore, ano ba dapat na king yung dapat nag-rule sa kanila? And for the author of 1st and 2nd Samuel, that ideal king is someone like David. Like David. You know, the Israelites has someone else in mind. Their ideal king, para sa kanila, is tall, strong, and handsome, like the kings of their neighboring countries. Someone like Saul. But, yun nga, he was not God's ideal king. In God's country, God chooses His King. That is why these two books goes to great length to contrast David from Saul. Maraming contrast sa story palang. The man after God's own heart versus the people's king. And, of course, it chooses David over Saul, hands down. But First and Second Samuel also tells us of an imperfect David. Even though it paints David as the ideal king, it tells us, hindi naman perfect si David eh. The author did not try to hide his flaws, the flaws of David. In fact, they recounted David's shortcomings and the consequences that it brought to his life, his family, and on his people. And we learned last week that there is a cost for our disobedience. May cost yung disobedience natin. That for every sin, there are ano? consequences. I'm glad that you remember. And so, from that, we see that First and Second Samuel is not telling us that David is the ideal king. Okay? But instead, it points us that God's ideal king will be someone who is David-like. The ideal king is not David but someone like David. And in these final verses of 2 Samuel, we see just that. We see again how David is considered by God to be a man after, God, after his own heart. And why someone like him should be the king of God's people. Bakit? Ano ba ginawa ni David in these final verses? Actually, he's being painted as a priestly king. You know, a priest offers sacrifices for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. The one who offers sacrifices that will bring peace and reconciliation between God and His people. And from David's offering, we see the essence of what a sacrifice is. 
What is the essence of a sacrifice to God? It is, the sacrifice is actually the cost of our forgiveness. If there is a cost for disobedience, there's also a cost for our forgiveness. It tells us how David offered a costly sacrifice to avert the wrath of God from his people. Through David's sacrifice, we learn that God's forgiveness, even though offered freely, was purchased costly. God's forgiveness, though offered freely, was purchased costly. But that is not all it wants to teach us. It's also telling us to look forward. Look forward to someone who will offer an even costlier sacrifice, not to take away the sins of just one nation, but to take away God's wrath from all creation. It points us forward. Yes, David is the ideal king, but he should not be the one that you, will, that you are waiting for but someone like him. Someone, in fact, from his line, as God has promised, who will rule God's people forever. So before giving too much away, uh, of it away, now let us open our Bibles to 2 Samuel 24. Our passage today is from verse 18 to 25. But for our scripture reading, I want us to backtrack a bit to verse 15. I know that we have read this last week, but I want us to read it again so, th- uh, so that we can have a bit of context to understand the passage better. So open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 15 to 25. I know the Verses will be flashed there, but for those, that's for you mga nag-worship sa atin online, no? For those who have come, I want you to open your Bibles, kahit sa phones nyo, or if you have your Bibles with you, even better, okay? But if you really don't have, you can read it on the screens. For 2 Samuel 24, verse 15 to 25. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time. And there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arauna the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. Verse 18. And God came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arauna the Jebusite. So David went up to God's word. As the Lord commanded. And when Arauna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arauna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Arauna said, Why has my lord the king has come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Arauna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Arana gives to the king. 
And Arauna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Arauna, No. No. But I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea of the land. And the plague was averted from Israel. May God bless the reading of his word. From last week, we have learned how David sinned against God by making a census over all Israel. And we also learned of the consequences of his action. God sent a plague over Israel that has already killed 70,000 Israelites all over the land. But we also learned that God had mercy over the people and decided to halt the disaster. Sabi ni God's angel, stop, wait. And it was during this time that David asked the Lord to spare the lives of the people. Wag na sila, sabi niya. And instead, he said, Sakin na lang. He was willing to take the punishment of his sin upon himself and his family. And then just as what happened in verse 11, yung 11 after mag-confess ni God, immediately yung prophet ni God naman, named God, immediately came to David. The Lord immediately had a reply for David after he confessed his sin. The same day, the prophet God once again came to David no longer with options. Naalala nyo? Last time, pinapili siya ano dito sa mga punishment mo? Three options. No. No longer an option but an instruction. He said, God commanded David to build an altar for him on the threshing floor of a Jebusite named Arauna. Now, we always hear the word threshing floor every time we read our Bible, tama ba? But I don't know about you, we always imagine, ano ba tong threshing floor na to? What is a threshing floor? You know, ito, may picture ako dito. In biblical days, there are no machinery. And so after the harvest, grain was separated from the straw and the husk by beating it manually. Pinupokpok nila yan or dinudurog. Either by stick or by an animal treading over it. If you see, there's two bulls there. May kinakaladkad siya, may tao, may, may bata. Hindi yan ride sa, ano, no, perya, hindi. Okay, dinudurog niya yung, ano, palay para matanggal yung mga balat. Okay, and matitira yung bigas. Okay, so there had to be a flat surface. Okay, flat surface that was smooth and hard. And that why, it, uh, and this was known as a threshing floor. And then, pagkadurog, after nila durugin, then they will have big forks, they call it winnowing fork, were used to throw the mixture in the air, kukunin nila yan, tatapon nila, paakyat. No? So that it would blow away the shaft and babaksak yung bigas or other crops, whatever that is. Leaving only the good grain on the floor. That is why threshing floors are usually found in high places. Mahangin. Para pagtapo nila, hahanginin yung mga shaft away. No? And that is why uh, David, uh, the, our passage says that David went up, went up at the command of the Lord. And around at the Jebusite, the owner of the threshing floor, when he saw David, the Bible says he was looking down because the threshing floor was on a high place. Okay? Around the... Upon seeing David coming up to him, Arauna immediately bowed down to pay homage to David. 
and asked what was the reason for his visit. And David told him that he intended to buy the threshing floor from him. Bakit? So that he can build an altar for the Lord as God as commanded by God. So that the plague will be averted. So yung plague, pinos pa lang ni God. Nandun pa angel of destruction, eh, di ba? So God, David was trying to avert the plague. And surprisingly, without hesitation, Arauna offered to give it freely to the king. Sa iba kung may lumapit sa'yo, tanungin na gusto niyang bilhin yung lupa mo. Sabi mo, okay, go, go ahead. Hindi ganun kabilis, tama ba? But dito ang bilis. Arauna offered it uh, uh, to give it freely to the king, including the oxen which will be used for the sacrifice and the wooden sledges and the yoke for, uh, for treading the grain to be, used as, uh, for, uh, to be used as sacrifice and making the fire. You know, wow, that's perfect. Everything needed for the sacrifice was available and free. You know, if I was David, I would probably say, Oh, great. Thank you for your cooperation. May the Lord bless you for your generosity. Kukunin ko na. But you know, more surprising than Arauna's offer was David's refusal to take it for free. Instead, he insisted to pay for the threshing floor and the sacrifice. In verse 24, it says, But the king said to Arauna, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. Why? He says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. 50 shekels of silver. By the way, in the parallel account in 1 Chronicles, it says there that David bought the whole site for 600 shekels of gold. Okay? Bakit yung isa 60 shekels of silver, yung isa 600 shekels of gold? Many scholars believe that this inconsistency in prices between the two accounts is probably because the low, the, here in 2 Samuel, the lower amount was the price for the threshing floor only with the sacrifice. While the more expensive price in 1 Chronicle tells us that David actually bought the whole area surrounding the threshing floor. Hindi lang yung threshing floor, but the whole area. And later, we will know why. Either way, the important thing to note here is that we see that David paid for it. Why? Because he did not want to offer sacrifices to the Lord that cost him nothing. What we see here uh, from David is the sincerity of his repentance. He knew how bad his sin was, and he knew that such offense against God requires payment. And so, he was willing to pay for it. What we see here, here is David owning up to his sin. And so, he will be the one to offer up the sacrifice to the Lord. He will be the one to have lost for it. He was willing to pay for it uh, and no one else. He knows that the price of God's forgiveness was not cheap. He knows that the forgiveness of God was not cheap and he does not take it for granted. What we see here, brothers and sisters, is that, anulit, God's forgiveness, though offered freely, was purchased costly. 
David don't want to offer a sacrifice that cost him nothing because he knew how terrible his sin was and he knew how great the price is for God's forgiveness. How about us? Do we take do we take God's forgiveness for granted? Do we think that God's forgiveness is cheap? The sad thing is, even if we say we don't, many times in our lives, in our actions, we act as if we do. Because we have received it for free, many times we think it's not worth anything. You know, you usually take for granted the things that we get for free, tama ba? Yung free t-shirt, ay okay lang. Pamigay mo na yan. Libre lang naman yan eh. Libre lang naman yan eh. Yung free ball pen, ay nako nawala. Sorry. Ah, okay lang. Nakuha ko lang yan as giveaway. But if we pay the hefty price for it, kung nawala yung Parker pen nyo, sino may Parker pen dito? O mga Omega pen? Marami. Kung nawawala, ano nangyayari? Hala, nasa na yung pen ko. Kung may gustong humiram nung Parker pen mo, nung high school na alala ko, uy, wag mong wawalain yan, ha? Oh no, nahulog yung iPhone 13 Pro ko. Pinagipunan ko pa naman yan. Oh no, my gas-gas, my precious Honda Civic. Bakit? Why do we care so much for these things? Kasi pinayara natin eh. And mahal yung bayad natin sa mga yan. And sadly, we treasure these things more than the, than the grace and mercy of God. We take God's forgiveness for granted because we receive it for free. We forget that a great price was paid for it. And therefore, we take our sins for granted as well. Ay, okay lang. God will for- forgive me naman eh. Di ba? Peace tayo, Lord. And then we do it again next time. But David does not take his sins for granted. He does not take God's forgiveness for granted. And so he does not take God for granted. He will not offer anything to his Lord that cost him nothing. He knows that God's forgiveness, though offered freely, is actually costly. It's precious. And true enough, God was pleased with God's offering. For in the last verse of 2 Samuel, it says, And David there built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt, and pe- burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded, to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. The Lord accepted David's peace offering and averted the plague from the people. You see, the Lord was pleased with what David has to offer. This was David's offering, the offering of the repentant. David knew how terrible his sin was. He also knew that God's forgiveness, though offered freely, is purchased costly, and he was willing to pay that cost. That is what makes him an ideal king for Israel. He was indeed a man after God's own heart. But his sacrifice and his purchase of the threshing floor to build an altar for the Lord was actually just the beginning. David wanted to offer something that cost him. But God was planning something bigger, a bigger place a greater sacrifice, a grander pardon. 
Let's continue. Second Samuel ended with God accepting David's sacrifice and the plague averted from Israel. But in First Chronicles 22, it tells us of what is to become of the threshing floor that David bought from Arauna. In First Chronicles 22 verse 1, David said, sabi niya, then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord God and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. Here shall be the house of the Lord God. Remember a few weeks ago what David wanted to do for God back in chapter 7? Si Pastor Wiljo, yun nag-preach nun eh. Pastor Wiljo explained to us that David wanted to build a house for God. But the Lord told him, no. Instead, God told him that he will be the one, God will be the one to build, who's going to build David's house and establish his throne forever. Sabi ko, sabi niya, you're not going to make me a house. I'm going to build your house. And, sabi, and God promised that David's son will be the one to build God a house, which is the temple. David obeyed God. And so, Instead of building the temple, Ginawanya, he prepared everything else for the building of the temple. He bought the land, as said here in 22 verse 1, and then he prepared the materials and everything. The threshing floor that David bought, which became an altar to offer sacrifice to the Lord as peace offering for his sin, is actually the future site of the temple. Of course, future back in David's time. Satin Pasna, no? Where the sacrifice of the whole nation will be offered for the forgiveness of their sins. A bigger place, a greater sacrifice for a grander pardon. You know, many of us doesn't understand the significance of the temple. The significance of the temple for God's people cannot be overstated. Thrice, tatlong beses, it has been destroyed and twice it has been rebuilt. Their life, the Israelites' life and identity revolves around this temple. Even until now, until today, Jews wait for the day that it will be rebuilt. Because their identity as the chosen people of God, granted favor and mercy, depends on the continuous sacrifice offered in that temple. It is the place where the people are granted the grace and forgiveness of God. But looking at the scriptures, the temple built in around a stretching floor was actually not meant to be permanent. No. If you look at the whole scripture, Old Testament to New Testament, you will realize that the temple has limited time only. Why? Because as I've told you, it points us to someone else. It points us to the grandest temple of all, the most extravagant sacrifice and the ultimate pardon. And that temple came 2,000 years ago. In John 2, verse 19 to 21, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. Brothers and sisters, Jesus 
is the ultimate temple. He is the Son of God. And He is actually the ideal king Second Samuel points us to. The king who is like David. But don't mistake, He is greater than David. He's not just a king who offers sacrifices. Jesus was actually the royal priest. He does not offer sacrifice for his sin. Bakit? Because he has none. Instead, he offers up the sacrifice for the sins of, that, of the world. And that includes us. And his sacrifice was not, only a, um, was not a costly sacrifice of animals. His sacrifice was the most extravagant and most precious sacrifice of all. His own life. Perfect unblemished, completely pleasing to God. And the forgiveness that he offers was not only for the Israelites, not only for the Jews, but for everyone that accepts him in their lives as their Lord and Savior. No matter how bad their sin was, they are forgiven when they put their trust in Jesus. That includes each and every one of us. You know, some of us might think, no, I can, I, God will never ever forgive me. I've done horrible things that you cannot even imagine. But the price that Jesus paid is enough to erase any sin. Sins from the past, sins from the present, Heck, even since in the future, it has already been forgiven. That's how effective the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. This was our Lord's offering, the offering of the forgiver. See, David, in offer niya is the offering of the repentant. Here, the offering is greater. The best of all, the offering of the one who forgives. Therefore, let us never ever forget that God's forgiveness, read it with me, God's forgiveness, though offered freely, was purchased costly. Costly because it was purchased by the blood of His Son, paid for on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That's why even though for every sin there are temporary consequences, yet for those who are in Christ, there is no... Do you guys remember? There is no condemnation. Why? Because the ultimate penalty for sin, which is death, has been paid for by our Lord Jesus Christ when He climbed on that cross 2,000 years ago and gave up His life for us. So brothers and sisters, may we not take God's forgiveness for granted. I know it's free, freely given to us. We did not pay for it. We don't have to do anything for it. We just have to accept it. But it doesn't mean it's cheap. Because it's not. It's the most priciest of all. It was paid for by the blood of our Lord, the Son of God. Though it is really offered for us, it was paid costly by our King. I hope that in our Christian lives, we will never ever forget that. 
we will not take God's forgiveness for granted. Now, in light of these, what should be our response? How do we know that we, we don't take God's forgiveness for granted? There should be a response. If you get something great, if you get something big during Christmas or during birthday from your parents, the one that you've always wished for, what do you do? Do you just take it and just play with it? You immediately hug your parents first, say, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's always a response for such a great gift. And what should be our response? We have seen David's offering. He doesn't want to offer anything to God that costs him nothing. The offering of the repentant. We are reminded of our Lord's offering, the most extravagant and precious offering of all, His blood for the forgiveness of our sins. The offering of the forgiver. How about us? What is our offering to our God? Our sins has already been paid for. Do we still have to offer burnt offering, peace offering? What kind of offering can we give our God? What is the offering of the forgiven? The Apostle Paul tells us what our offering should be. In Romans 12 verse 1, he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, he's pointing to what Jesus has done, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. God has already provided the sacrifice for our sins, and now our offering is our own lives as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, offered to God in the form of worship. The reason why we offer up an offering of worship is because just like David, we know how bad our sin was. We know the cost of God's forgiveness. We know the great sacrifice that has been made for us so that we don't have to pay for our sins because we can never pay for our sins. I just want to remind us all, we can never pay for our sins. We just can't. And so, what is our response as the forgiven? Our response is not to offer up sin and peace offering because na offer na yon, of because of the perfect sacrifice. So what is our offering? It's an offering of worship pleasing to the Lord. Our sacrifice is our whole lives, offered to God through worship. And just as David's offering was costly, Jesus' offering was costly as well. Therefore, our worship of God must also be costly must also be worthy of that cost. We should not be willing to offer just anything to our Lord, anything that costs us nothing. Because if God's forgiveness, though offered freely, was purchased costly, then our worship of our Lord must just be, must be just as worthy. Our worship to our Lord must just be as worthy. How do we offer worship worthy of our Lord today? How do we offer worship that's worthy of our Lord? Just like David, we should not offer anything that costs us nothing. We should not offer anything that costs us nothing. There are three ways I want to emphasize we can do this, especially in our time today. First, suggestion, and not suggestion, First thing that we can do is that we live every day to please our Lord. 
Our worship of God must not be limited to one day a week. You know, we always say we come to God uh, to worship God on Sunday. But I hope that hindi yun yung pananaw natin because worship should be every day. Our worship of God must not be limited to one day of the week. A costly and worthy worship is a life that is lived for Him every day, daily. When we strive to live holy lives, running away from sin, and we seek every opportunity to obey Him, rather than sinning, which only brings consequences, we must live in holiness and obedience that brings praise and honor to our God. It could be as simple as avoiding looking and watching things that are undesirable to our Lord. You know, in our phones, there are so many things undesirable. If you force yourself not to watch it, you're actually living in worship. And instead, finding someone to pray for or to pray with. When we run away from sin and when we obey God, that's the life of worship every day. It could be as simple as avoiding idleness. Remember what happened to David? He was idle and then he was sinning. And instead, doing your best at school, kahit naka-Zoom class lang, kahit hindi naman ako nakikita ng teacher ko, kahit yung noo ko lang yung nakikita sa Zoom meeting, I'm still doing my best. Because I'm doing it for the Lord. That's worship. Or in our work. You know, these are examples of how we live every day to please our God. A life of worship worthy for our Lord. So that's one. We live every day in holiness and obedience. Another way we can offer up a costly and worthy worship of our Lord today is, one thing I can think of is coming back to church to worship our Lord. Coming here every morning. Ah, every morning. Every Sunday, worshiping together with us. I know that some of us are still afraid, some of us are still not fully vaccinated, and some of us are still at higher risk from COVID. And if you are those people, I'm not challenging you to come to church. Kung talagang at risk kayo. Instead, I'm challenging those who have become too comfortable and satisfied worshiping at home in their pajamas and on their beds and couches. I know. Because I have done that as well during the pandemic. Those, and sometimes it's so satisfying, not satisfying, it's so easy na, no, sige, dito na lang ako sa bahay, mag-worship. Hindi na ako may gising na maaga. Yes, those who are already okay to go out and mingle with their friends and colleagues outside and yet too lazy and too sleepy to come to church. Believe me, we understand you. Ang hirap bumangon. Sunday na nga lang makakasleep longer. But again, we do not offer God something that does not cost us. Let me ask this question. When we worship in our home for the sake of comfort and convenience, are we offering sacrifices that cost us nothing? Are we? Is the type of worship worthy of our Lord? I'm sure it is not. So, if you no longer feel at risk against COVID, I invite you all to come back and worship us here in UECP. 
Even though gas prices are in an all-time high, pastor, ang mahal ng gas, pwede ba dito na lang ako sa bahay? So what? What do we learn today? We don't offer sacrifices that cost us nothing. So, the gas prices is part of our offering to God as well. So come, come back, worship with us face to face. That's a second example or second challenge. And lastly, how can we offer worship worthy of our Lord? By sacrificial giving. Giving to the ministry of His kingdom. You know, just last Wednesday, in our life group discussion, we were reminded that offering given to the ministry of the gospel are offering pleasing to the Lord. We were reminded of this in our life group discussion. If you ask some of my uh, life group members here, we've read Philippians 4, verse 17 to 18. Sabi, niya dito, sabi ni Paul, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And we were also taught by the Scriptures that instead of being hesitant to give, our attitude must be grab every opportunity to be able to give to the needy and to the ministry. Last week, in the announcements, we were told that we have reached 71% of our 15 million peso goal for our mission's budget. That's great. 71%, not bad. But where's the 29% that we as a church have committed to our Lord to give for the work of mission? Nasaan? You know, this reminded me that I haven't given my mission offering for the year yet. And I will do it now. And by the way, announcement, this month is the last month to reach our goal of 15 million pesos. This, this is the last Sunday we'll be announcing this for this year. And this is the last month that we will be receiving it. How about you? How much is God telling you to give? Is it more than you, what you want to give? Will it affect your budget to buy a new phone? Your new shoes na nasira na dahil two years mong hindi nasuot? Or even a new car? Will it affect it? Yes, it should. Bakit? Because we should not offer anything that costs us nothing. Again, this is the last month that we'll be collecting for our goal of 15 million pesos for our missions ministry, and I'm challenging each and every one of us, including myself, to do it. To offer to our Lord an amount worthy of our worship of Him. If God's forgiveness, though offered freely, was purchased costly, then expect that God's ministry of reconciliation, which we are all a part of, must also cost us. This is the offering of the forgiven. So review lang, three ways I challenge all of us today to offer worship that will cause us a worship worthy of our Lord is live every day to please Him through holiness and obedience. Leave the comfort of your own homes and join us in face-to-face worship despite the rising gas prices. And finally, give our missions offering today. These are our spiritual act of worship, the offering of the forgiven. UECP, our God has already given us the ideal king. 
And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And through Him, God has offered us forgiveness for our sins. Forgiveness that though offered freely, was purchased costly by the precious blood of our Lord. Therefore, we must offer our lives to Him as pleasing sacrifice through worship that is worthy of our Lord. Brothers and sisters, let us not offer anything to our Lord that costs us nothing because He has already given us everything. Let us not offer our Lord anything that, anything that costs us nothing because He has already given us everything. Let us pray. Father, just want to give thanks for today. We thank you for reminding us of your great sacrifice for us, the payment for the forgiveness of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, if many times we take it for granted. Forgive us, Lord, if many times we think that it is cheap. Forgive us, Lord, if many times we forget to look at the cross and we forget that our Lord Jesus hanged on it gave his life to pay for our sins. He paid the greatest cost for our forgiveness. And therefore, Lord, I pray that we will not offer you anything that costs us nothing because you have already given us everything. Help us, Lord, to obey you every day living our lives to please you. From the moment that we wake up, may we give a shout of praise to your name until the moment we sleep. Father, I pray that we will not count no, kung saan kami makakatipid in terms of serving you, in terms of worshiping you. Instead, help us, Lord, to give until it hurts so that we will not offer anything that costs us nothing. Oh Lord, indeed you have paid the great price, a price that we can never ever pay for ourselves and we can never ever repay for, repay you for. So Lord, we offer our lives to you. We offer our lives. Help us, Lord, to live it, to please you each and every day. To give as you've called us to give, to sing as you've called us to sing to please you in every possible way. This is our spiritual act of worship because of the price that our Lord Jesus has paid on the cross. Amen and amen.